Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Dunn, the partner at HSF, who has spent several years advising some of the leading Australian tech companies, including the likes of Atlassian in their first round of funding over 12 years ago. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here. So I'm going to turn it over to you. I mentioned only a touch of what your background is, but can you give us a little bit about who you are, what you've done, and some of those companies that you've advised? Very happy to. I'll try to (laughs) keep it succinct. HSF is a a sort of full-service, very large law firm, and I have been a partner for 17 years now and originally started doing private equity deals. And I was right place, right time when the the GSC hit, and it got introduced to a couple of, you know, pretty scruffy guys who weren't the traditional client that Freehills would would work for, and it was the Atlassian founders, and and I, I just thought they were really nice guys actually, and you know they're doing a capital raise, there was a lot of work on, I was pretty excited to help them out, and came back to Freehills and got told, oh, that's not who we want to work for, which which is is now it's sort of a hilarious story, but I kind of did the math and worked out that. They'd raised $60 million for 20%. So I thought, but these guys might do okay. Uh, I mean, I, I really had no idea how well they would do, but we hit it off. And thankfully, Scott and Mike just introduced me to a bunch of people. And, and none of the, the large law, even medium-sized law firms, are really covering tech. And so very much word of mouth. And they introduced me to, to Ben and Dave at Campaign Monitor, who did massive raise, and, and then to just a, a bunch of other companies. So I've worked for or with or helped people invest into companies like Canva, Tyro, Deputy, Expert 360, Safety Culture, Culture Amp, 99 Designs, Osforex, Big Commerce, a bunch of others. And most recently, some amazing emerging businesses like Linktree, Mr. Yum, and others. And it's just been a heap of fun to work predominantly with founders. And having had a large firm experience, and particularly private equity, which is a form of investing, I think What's helped me is that I know how the deal's got to end at the end. And so I'll often say to a founder, we're doing this deal, but we're solving for the next one. And so how do we set it up so that um, you know it works for you, you can build the company, and there aren't any roadblocks? And and one of the, the companies I'm sort of most proud of is um, Caltramps. And I started working for those guys when they were just five founders and not even a, a deck. And they've done about six raises, and we've acted on every one, and most recently... Their last raise was 130 million at about a two bill bail. And it's, it's been lovely to, to sort of grow up with these companies as well. The tech names just roll off your tongue, Peter. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it sounds like, as you say, you've got such a history in this tech ecosystem development. When do you think we became a superpower, or when did we in Australia start to hit that global stage on technology development through your vast experience? I feel quite humble with what you're saying. I, you know, I always joke and think so I can hear my father in the background sort of going tosser. <laughs> in some respects, I think we were always there. In other respects, I still think we've, we've got a way to go in a nice way. And I had to give a speech to a group at New South Wales Parliament last year, and I, I said we should not accept the lie that we're not smart enough. I mean, I think this country produces amazing businesses. And, and one of the structural things that have helped is that we don't have rivers of capital here. 
I mean, we can talk about the venture infrastructure as that's grown and developed. And, you know, there's some amazing funds now with, with long pedigrees like Blackbird Air, Tree Square Peg, et cetera, main segments. However, we don't have the same level of capital you'll get in Europe or America. And so people have to build great businesses early on. And, you know, the, the sort of story about Scott and Mike maxing out on five credit cards. And they built an incredible business before they fundraised. And I think US investors in particular really like the fact that you have to build really strong businesses from the get-go. What do customers want? Keep refining until you get that right. Meet product market fit and then hopefully fundraise. And so I think we've always kind of had that. I think we probably get held back by that sense of not accepting that we are good enough. And one of the other structural things that I think is great in this country is that most of the founders I've come across, they will have regard to the rest of the world from the very start. So they're not trying to build a you know domestic business. And there are some great domestic businesses often in the fintech space, but for the most part, they're looking outward and taking a global view. And again, I think that's very attractive to international investors. Yeah, absolutely. And how have you seen the VC space evolve as well? When do you see that as kind of getting a bit of traction? You know, you've got the techs guys on one side, but how about the guys that are funding these types of business? When did you start to see them starting to back some of these leading Australian but global businesses? The main venture funds now have been around for sort of 10 years plus. And and so I don't think Anything's that hard, you just need to have done it enough. You know, you put your hand on the stove, you think, oh, geez, I, I shouldn't do that again. And certainly in terms of my career advising founders, you know, you learn each time and go, okay, well, I, I shouldn't do that next time or here's a way to make that a bit easier. I think the venture funds have done the same thing. And, you know, early on, they will have made smaller investments and some of them won't have gone well. But, you know, staying the course, it's one of those things where I don't think you can dip in and out. I mean, I actually think you have to be really committed and then learn as you go. And I don't think it is a science, but I think you get better at identifying what you need to look for. Like if if I speak to venture funds now, they'll say that they realise they equally invest in the founder or founders as they do in the business. And I even know some people who said, look, I'm not quite sure about this business idea, but I really like this founder team and they're the ones I want to back. And I equally think over that sort of period that I've been engaged in the industry 12 years, We've kind of seen a, a movement away from people just being excited by the technology. I always use the analogy, oh, it's a coffee ordering app. Wow, like, it's amazing. Like, I don't think people are excited. Let's come back to main sequence in a minute because those guys are amazing as well. But I don't think people are excited about the tech anymore. It's what's the underlying business? Yeah, and we so we probably had a period where as an industry we all went a little bit off the rails where we got excited about tech without there mm. being stronger fundamentals around it. Again, that's different from what main sequence tend to do, which is really, really deep tech. But I think the industry has kind of matured. And I've always found the best operators in any field, be it venture or later stage buyouts or accounting or medicine, to be honest, I think the best operators are quite humble. And um, it's interesting to see how the funds have kind of evolved. And I've always not found it that cool when people get excited about their own ability <laughs> rather than, <laughs> uh, rather than, you know, like how do we muck in and how do we help and genuinely facilitate this founder growing because the best businesses will get capital. So I think what the best venture funds realise is they need to sell as well, sell themselves in as why they're a good destination. 
Yeah. And do you think there's any particular areas of tech in Australia that we do well? For example, you've mentioned some of the enterprise software businesses. There's buy now, pay later businesses that have come through and migrated to some of those global players. I've started to see some of the agricultural businesses come through. What do you think Australia might do better than some of the others? Uh, goodness. Oh, we might not. <laughs> no, 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 no. What else? I mean, if like... Canberra are just spectacular. When people say who'll be the next Atlassian, you know, it's Canberra. And then there's a, a group behind them, Safety Culture, Culture Amp, a deputy uh, following along. I actually think we do fintech really quite well. We're a heavily regulated marketplace, as are others, but I don't think we have some of the structural problems that other markets have. So, like, in some respects, this is a great testing ground. And so fintech falls into one or two categories, doesn't it? There are those businesses that facilitate ease of capital, either, you know, foreign exchange or transfer of funds internationally or access to forms of finance, like the afterpay type model. But then you have what comes under fintech, but is really regulatory tech, you know, KYC on customer onboarding. And I actually think we do really well in that area. The area where I think we should do better, and I think there's going to be a really fun place in the next 10 to 15 years, should be around resources and energy tech. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to work for, I think, two of the biggest investors in tech in the country, the family offices of the Atlassian founders. And, you know, Mike Hannah-Brooks in particular has been really quite active in the energy space, helped those guys with their investment in solar cable out of the Northern Territory, building the world's largest solar plant and then the longest submarine cable to ship energy to Singapore. I mean, there's some cool stuff happening. And that's the stuff you go, this is really exciting. So I think really for energy and resources tech, we should really punch above our weight because actually we need to as a country. Fantastic. Um, and I'm going to pivot there. You did mention one of the businesses, safety culture is one of those ones that are, you know, growing significantly in the tech space in Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in that business and also what the business does and the problem that they're solving? Yeah, no, very happy to. I am. Um, bizarrely, uniquely, <laughs> in a way that's really fortunate for me. I'm very lucky. I am a general counsel, company secretary, and co-head of corporate development and safety culture. And I've worked for the founder, Lucania, for probably six or seven years. I was introduced to him by Scott Farquhar, and Luke's just amazing, just a very intelligent bundle of energy and very entrepreneurial. And it literally from the garage in Townsville has built a, a business that's valued at north of $2 billion. And I've known him for a while and 12 months ago, he said, hey, why don't you come on board? And um, I, I also have the role as head of venture at HSF. And, you know, we're really actively, progressively growing the team and, and very bullish on the on the space. And, you know, Friedel's had asked me to, you know, help bring up some younger lawyers, which I'm delighted to do. And so the Luke opportunity was too good to turn down and equally I didn't want to let Friedel's down. So they each agreed that I could do those roles on a part-time basis. And as one of my sort of colleagues and co-partners, the great Stephen Dobbs at HSF said, I've been a part-timer for years anyway, so what's the difference? But uh, it's a great opportunity to experience life on the other side. I mean, I've largely been institutionalised. I've been a Friedel since... I started my career in 1994 and it's an amazing firm and it gave me lots of opportunities. But to get to see life from client land is amazing. And I'm a firm believer in what Safety Culture is trying to do. It's an operations platform that originally started as how do we make jobs safer for individuals? And I sometimes say here, 
you know, if all we did in our career was save the life of one person, then it was all worth it. Mm-hmm. But actually, like, let's do way more than that. And so an app that within an hour uh, you can generate a digital checklist that fits into pretty much any system in the world that enables you to make your work environment safer, uh, share information with your coworkers, report issues real time, facilitates micro-learning. I think it's just good for the planet, actually. So I clearly was passionate about what they were trying to do. And for them to give me the chance to fulfill the role has been great. And I've had a number of sort of clients in the HSF world who said, well, you know, this should actually help you as, as an advisor because you you understand it from a client perspective as well. So it's a bit of an experiment. It seems to be working so far. So uh, fingers crossed. Exciting. Watch that space. And one last thing I want to throw your way. There's been so much volatility across the markets as a whole, especially for some of those Aussie tech names. I'm curious, obviously, we'd love to have a crystal ball, but I'd love to hear your experienced view as to what do you think we're going to see for the next foreseeable 12 months? I'm actually very bullish and it's choppy at the moment, but it's been choppy before. And I was fortunate that in 1999, I was working in in London at probably the dominant private equity and venture firm at the time in the UK, Ashurst, and and I had a great experience there. The private equity group was known as Death Row and we just had a heap of fun. But that was right in the heart of the tech craze. And then you had the tech meltdown at the end of sort of or middle of 2001 and you could have been Amazon in 2002, you weren't going to raise money. But those businesses that got through in 2004, 2005, 2006 just dominated. And so it's choppy at the moment. There's certain areas where it's hard to raise money, but there's still a lot of capital in the system. And good businesses will attract that. And actually, now is a time to be bold, not crazy, but bold. And so if the fundamentals are right, then I think you can continue to acquire market share. And yes, there's a bit of a correction. Was it significantly overheated towards the end of or the midpoint of 01? Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. But the fundamentals of some of these incredible Australian businesses like that that I've mentioned are still the same. And I don't think anyone can sit here and say, oh, we'll we'll take a backward step or we will move away from digital marketing, for example, or digital communication or online learning. And and in the tech meltdown in 01, that's what people were saying. This was the flash in the pan. So there's probably a number of businesses now that are you know, looking at costs and thinking about, you know, moving from expansion to profitability, but the sector won't go away. The need for strong connectivity and strong products and great regulation and great communication tools won't go away. So I actually think at times we are a race of short-term forgetful optimists, but then on the rebound sometimes we overbound back the other way. And so there's a little bit of a correction at the moment. Public markets are down. I think everyone's very sad about what's going on in continental Europe. You know, COVID sort of still hangs around, da, 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 da. But, you know, I think genuinely think that second half of this year we'll start to see an upturn. The Fed's recent comments were not as dire as what everyone thought thought Sarkozy winning in France was a strong thing for the country the planet actually like you know it's easy to look at negative type stories I think there are some amazing businesses I actually think when you have a little bit of a correction the really great businesses refine things mm. and I go back to my experience in 04 when people came out of a of a downturn and I don't think it'll be that long here but when yeah. people come out they come out with all, all sort of guns blazing so 
personally, I'm pretty optimistic about the next phase, actually. That's what I like to hear as a tech analyst. Well, thank you once again, Peter Dunn, the partner at HSF. I really value your time and I can't wait to circle around and hear more about what you're up to in a few months' time. Hey, thanks. All the best.